Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. One of the trickiest questions I have to ask myself in most weeks, certainly several times a month at the very least, is of all the rumors that are swirling around, which of those do I take serious enough to talk about on, on a show like this? Thankfully, I, you know, y'all have given us a very big platform here on Dog Nation Daily. We're very, very proud of that. And so we have to be careful not to go chasing down and amplifying rumors that might not turn out to be true or might not have, you know... Uh, they just might just sort of stay in the rumor mill because a lot of times rumors kind of pop up and they don't materialize and they sort of disappear and we kind of move on to the next rumor and you know trying to figure out which of those we take seriously around here is always going to be a pretty tricky question well sometimes you kind of see uh, a level of rumor swirling that you feel like you can't really ignore because it's literally being talked about everywhere. I think we're in kind of one of those instances here today as it relates to five-star quarterback Dylan Riola and the belief, seemingly consensus belief, among so many on the internet right now that Riola might be heading towards a UGA commitment and it could come sooner rather than later. For all we know, it could come today. This, of course, is very, very fascinating. Now, let me kind of give you a couple of thoughts as it relates to this. And I guess as kind of a lead in on this, let me kind of go back to something that Riola himself has said. I want to begin our conversation today by going back not too long ago when Jeff Sintel, our Dog Nation Recruiting Insider, and we'll, be, we'll obviously uh, be in touch with Jeff a lot this week, our dog, our, our dog Nation Recruiting Insider out in Arizona, the home state of Riola, getting a chance to talk to him at that time about his relationship with UGA. Now, obviously, a lot has seemingly changed since then, and maybe in some respects, if you at least believe the rumors that are out there on the internet, the fast-forward button has been pressed on all of this. But as kind of a lead into where we are potentially with Riola now, let's go back to where we were with Riola just a few weeks ago. This is our recruiting insider, Jeff Sintel, visiting with the five-star quarterback who may be the man of the hour right now, Jeff with Dylan Riola. I think just the relationships and, uh, you know, just really seeing every every school and what they have to offer. Um, and, you know, for me, really coming down to relationships. Um, you know, you can show you can show winning, you can show scheme, but you know you, you can't you can't fake you know being who you are and who you are all the time. So, just really really getting to know the coaches at each school that I'm looking at, and um, really just just trusting trusting my family. How much will your first commitment experience shape your next one? I think that's big. Uh, you know, I'm lucky I get a second chance at it. Um, and, you know, I just really just want to be patient and really see what every school has to offer. Um, and, and just, you know, make the best decision for me. Georgia is obviously one of the schools you've mm -hmm. thought about for some time. They were your first offer. Yep. How do you feel about them right now? Like, what, what has them in the mix? Yeah, I think you got to start with the leader, Coach Smart. Um, what he does for, for his program, for his players, the development he has, um, he, he, it's really just you, you, can't, you can't beat what he does. So obviously that's very interesting. It relates to Dylan Riola. And one of the phrases that Riola uses there that I probably find most interesting of all is Jeff asked the question, okay, at one point in time you're an Ohio State commit, and then you decommitted from that. You decided that Ohio State wasn't the place for you. 
and an early commitment taking yourself off the market from a recruiting standpoint that wasn't right for you either how will that shape what you're about to do right now and Riola said yeah it's going to shape me in a big way we've certainly been led to believe this is true that Riola felt like he made the wrong choice in Ohio State but also made the wrong choice by choosing something so soon that he wanted to you know as we would say in the dating world sort of play the field a little bit and he wanted to kind of see what else was out there and listen to uh, the communication from other schools and sort of make a better decision based on all of his other options. But hard to deny over the course of the last few weeks that the relationship that Riola has had with Georgia has seemingly really grown here, while the relationship that he's had with one of his other potential suitors, Nebraska, seems to have fallen off completely. And the other school that I think in the eyes of a lot of Georgia fans probably loomed the the largest in all this, USC, you know, that's changed a lot here as well. There have been some cryptic comments from USC coach Lincoln Riley that almost felt, felt like a, a subtweet of Riola, uh, you know, from some of his spring practice press conferences. There has been chatter from out in L.A. that USC has started recruiting another quarterback, seemingly a signal that they know they might not be getting Riola. By comparison, you've seen Georgia content to stand pat here. While a lot of in-state quarterbacks, one that had a Georgia offer like Jake Merkley went to Tennessee, another in the Atlanta area that's gotten plenty of buzz, Aaron Nolan went to Ohio State. And with all these in-state quarterbacks doing everything they've done, you know, you haven't really seen Georgia lift a finger. They have seemingly been quite content with where they are in this process, willing to let it play out with Dylan Riola. Almost as if they've known something. Almost, almost as if They've had a reason to be as confident as they've been in their decision to what appears to be go all in on Dylan Riola. So here we are now, uh, shortly after G-Day, and there's buzz that Riola may be ready to pull the trigger on a UGA commitment. And I think it's important to note, for people who maybe don't follow some of the recruiting stuff quite as, I guess, closely as other people do, what is surprising about this is not necessarily that Riola is going to pick UGA. I think a lot of folks have kind of come to the conclusion that's probably where all this is heading. We'll have more on that here in just a moment. The only part of this is that surprising is the fact that he might be doing this right now as opposed to waiting later on in the summer, which would be what we thought you know might be the case. So the surprise here is not, hey, Ryola might pick UGA. In the minds of a lot of Georgia fans and people who watch the recruiting stuff closely, it seems like possibly that's where this has been trending. The surprise is that it might be happening right now. Now, if that is indeed the case, if Riola were to commit to Georgia here this week, why would that be surprising? Well, he's not slated to take his official visit at Georgia until the beginning of June. But what's interesting about that is, is that as it stands right now, that scheduled official visit for Riola in June is the only official visit that Riola has planned. And it kind of goes back to something that I talked to Jeff Sintel about a couple of weeks ago. I believe this was two Fridays, if you want to kind of go back into the archives of our show and go back and listen to when I told Jeff two Fridays ago, and I thought he had a very interesting answer in response to all this, is that for me, the recruitment of Dylan Riola has to a certain extent reminded me of Georgia's recruitment of Jalen uh, Justin Fields. Now, I realize that didn't end the way that Georgia fans wanted it to, but nonetheless, that was a five-star quarterback that Georgia was chasing down. And I remember the moment in which that I learned that Justin Fields was coming to Georgia. And I'm not a recruiting insider. I'm not a recruiting reporter. I talk to recruiting reporters. We have Jeff Sintel on our show each and every week. I follow recruiting very closely. It's obviously a hot topic on our show, but by trade, I'm a talk show host. I'm not a recruiting reporter. So uh, so my way of finding out about this, some of this kind of stuff is a little bit different than other people's You know, might be. And I remember when I found out that Justin Fields was coming to Georgia, the way that I found that out was, is you realized the other schools that were in play for him 
well, he's not going here because of this, and he's not going here because of this, and he's not going here because of this. And eventually, by process of elimination, Georgia was all you had left. And it's almost like if you ever played Clue, the board game when you were a kid, it's almost like the only thing that was left was the idea that Justin Fields was coming to Georgia. And sure enough, shortly after that, he, in a famous ceremony there at Harrison High School, made his decision. I have sort of felt like that's kind of how this has been with Dylan Rioli here there as well. Obviously, Nebraska has all but waved the white flag if you're kind of following you know, their media circles and social media circles and message board circles run their program. It's pretty obvious no one in Lincoln really thinks it's going to happen anymore. And at one point in time, I think USC probably thought it was getting Dylan Rioli. But when you see you know, Lincoln Riley out there saying what he's saying, uh, when you see actions that would seem to suggest that USC is now recruiting other quarterbacks while Georgia is just clearly not doing that other than Ryan Puglisi, the 2024 quarterback they already have the uh, commitment from. It's almost the same process of elimination that would have once led you to conclude a quarterback like Justin Fields was coming to Georgia. A similar uh, 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 process is in place right now that would sort of leave Georgia and Riola as the only options for each other, which kind of would suggest this is maybe eventually going to happen. But admittedly, I thought if it did happen, it would happen later on this summer. So if that's not the case, if Riola really were ready to pull the trigger, the question you would ask is, well, why now? Well, I think you have to acknowledge a couple of very interesting things happening this week that... Listen, we're going to do some speculating on a rumor, which is always sort of a dangerous thing to do in terms of actually landing on the truth. But nonetheless, we're going to we're going to do this anyway. Look at what the last couple of days have sort of featured from Georgia here. Let's go back to Saturday, whereas we were getting ready to begin our pregame coverage of G Day, and a lot of you were kind of getting settled in there in Athens, ready to watch that game, or getting ready to get settled in to watch it on TV. We found out that Bear Alexander, the former five-star defensive lineman who had, had you know pretty good freshman season there, Georgia, he was entering the transfer. Uh, uh, portal one of the schools that alexander's you know reportedly or rumored to be uh, considering a school we mentioned a moment ago usc is the potential commitment of riola if it does come a response to the possibility that usc may be trying to money whip georgia over uh, bear alexander and you know get him into their program i don't know i guess anything is a possibility there on that that is certainly a fun thing for some georgia fans to consider that all of this might be a response by georgia uh, to whatever it was that USC has tried to do, allegedly anyway, or possibly maybe even, when it comes to Bear Alexander. There was also uh, big news yesterday that you can't ignore, and you have to kind of consider this as a possibility too. Georgia lost a commitment for the class of 2024. Very impressive tight end Landon Thomas. I'll show you this on the screen, what Jeff Sintel wrote about Thomas uh, on Twitter, previewing a story at dognation.com. Jeff saying, the nation's number one tight end prospect, Landon Thomas, has flipped from Georgia to Florida State. The Seminoles land a premium South Georgia talent for the 2024 class. Now, on the subject of just Thomas alone for a moment, let me say that obviously I do think he's a very impressive prospect. I think that obviously Georgia has other impressive tight ends here. But Thomas, in in his own right, just in kind of the universe of the evaluation of him, you have to say this is a big-time uh, prospect. Obviously, also, you have to respect Florida State as a recruiting power, generally speaking. And after lying dormant for a good number of years, it seems like Mike Norvell has them ready to kind of compete here again in a way that maybe they have not in the recent past and obviously if you've ever been down to Moultrie you know that that's about as close you can be to Tallahassee without actually being in Tallahassee so Calco County is kind of fertile soil for Florida State and recruiting has been for a long time so a lot of this is sort of the kind of stuff that Georgia should expect to do if you're going to try to fight for recruits in the southwest you know corner of the state you should expect Florida State to be a formidable challenger down there 
In the case of uh, Landon Thomas, that's obviously once again proven to be uh, the case. But you also get the sense here that Georgia doesn't plan on giving up on Thomas's recruitment. And any thought of, well, lost momentum for the Georgia 2024 class because of the decommitment from Thomas, a commitment by Dylan Riola would change that narrative pretty quick and would be an indication to a guy like Thomas of, hey, you may be thinking about staying closer to home and going to a place like Florida State, and they may be telling you all kinds of horror stories about all the depth that Georgia has it tied in and the problems that's going to cause for you, but we just got a five-star quarterback. We just got Dylan Riola, if that is indeed what happens. And that's the kind of thing that could cause a guy like Thomas to potentially reconsider that commitment to Florida State. And for Thomas's uh, very impressive teammate down there in Colquitt County, who also happens to be a George commit there as well, wide receiver Nykar, it might keep him from wanting to look around there too. That for Georgia, this is a little bit of a two-for story down there because you got both Thomas and Nykar. For now, it's just Thomas who has flipped to Florida State, but obviously Nykar is one of those guys that some Georgia fans would be worried uh, might be swayed by what Thomas has done here. Well, if there was any potential of that, if Dylan Riola commits to Georgia, you better believe guys like Thomas and Carr that like catching the football, they would certainly have a lot to think about if they realize now officially for sure out there in the public, out there in the open, uh, that Dylan Riola is willing to go public with the thought that he's going to UGA. So let me kind of recap all this for right now, and then we'll get ready to move on and have more conversation about this later on in the show. For now, all this is is a rumor. All this is is a, hey, did you hear about so-and-so? All this is is kind of a game of telephone where somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody uh, thinks they have it on pretty good word that five-star quarterback Dylan Riola is getting ready to uh, commit to UGA possibly sooner rather than later. That's all that is. But you can't deny there has seemingly been a lot of momentum with Riola in Georgia over the course of the last few weeks, that whether it happens right now or happens sometime later on in the early portion of the summer, Georgia and Riola as a possible fit and a possible match with each other, it seems that there is some movement in that direction. But if it does happen now, if Riola really is ready to go public, it stands as a pretty strong rebuke to USC, who maybe thinks they're going to swoop in here and you know pay some money to kind of you know get a guy off Georgia's roster, or uh, players that could be a part of this 2024 class that may be looking around and thinking about something else. All of a sudden, the idea of a great program like Georgia, back-to-back national champions, with a five-star quarterback in place to build for the future, UG at that point in time becomes a pretty tough program to say no to. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. And happy to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today. Live on video, we start 945, first and 15, dognation.com, dognation app, 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We're on the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref. And we're available as a podcast wherever you find them. The Apple uh, Podcast Player, Spotify, WorldFamousDogNation.com. Some of you listen right there on SoundCloud. A lot of different ways to catch the program, whichever way you choose. We're just glad you found it, and we're glad you made it a part of your life and a part of your daily routine. Thank you so much for that. And a big thanks to our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia who make it all possible here as well. You know, one of the things that we love doing on our show, talking about good things for these dogs, you know, potential big wins in recruiting, uh, certainly big wins in the football field. I think a lot of you are aware it's been 500 days since Georgia's lost a football game of any kind. So uh, obviously there's plenty to celebrate here around uh, UGA. We talk about it here on Dog Nation Daily. And one of the things I love about our friends over at Engineered Solutions of Georgia, Jay, the entire team there, is the fact that when good things happen for Georgia, uh, they're just as happy about that as we are. They're proud partners of UGA. They love supporting Georgia. 
They love the fact that you all love supporting Georgia. And the thing that I love is the fact that so many of you have chosen to support Engineered Solutions of Georgia there as well because they're supportive of UGA and specifically because of their longtime partnership with us here at Dog Nation Daily. I love that. I also love what ESOG can do for you as well. If you're a homeowner, taking the right steps to protect your home is obviously one of the most important things you can do. That means being on guard for foundation for waterproofing issues, water getting in where it's not supposed to be, basement, cross space, garage. You see the evidence. You know it when it's there. Rain comes and then all of a sudden there's a wet spot or there's, in some cases, even standing water. That's a problem. And our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia, because they have the word solution in their name, they want to help you solve that problem. Foundation issues much the same way. You see the signs of that settling, that cracking concrete floor in your basement, or maybe sometimes you see those cracks in the walls inside your house there as well. All of that can really be a signal to you that it's time to pick up the phone and dial. Number to get in touch with our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia could not be easy to remember. Simply call 678-ESOG-NOW. That's 678-ESOG-NOW. That'll get you in touch with Engineered Solutions of Georgia. You can talk to them over there. You can find out why uh, they really take the idea of being a solutions-based company seriously. They have an entire team of engineers on staff. There's nobody else in our market that puts that level of resource to work to help solve your problem, whether it's a waterproofing thing or a foundation thing. Engineered Solutions of Georgia wants to help you with it. So give them a call. 678-ESOG-NOW. That's 678-ESOG-NOW. Proud partners of UGA. Long-time friends of ours here on Dog Nation Daily. Uh, you're going to love them, and you can talk to them there today. All right, housekeeping note to give you. I told our video audience this before we started the show. I'll tell all of you now. Normally, it's Jake Fromm on Tuesdays. We're going to catch up with Jake here this week. Uh, Jake not available to do that here today, though, so we're going to rearrange things a little bit on his behalf and then talk some G-Day with Jake Fromm. He had plenty to say about quarterback. We'll have plenty to say, I should say, and we'll get a chance to do that with him a little bit later on this week. Uh, we'll get Connor Riley here coming up in just a moment. Connor on the subject of Dylan Riola, also on the subject of uh, G-Day there as well. So all of that's coming up. Prior to that, though, let's get ready to go around the doghouse. And we'll do a little G-Day talk ourselves here for a moment. Because for all the attention that quarterback got on Saturday with good reason, Georgia, after all, is trying to figure out who its next starter is going to be with big shoes to fill after Stetson Bennett, the previous starter the last two years, was a part of back-to-back -back national championships, of course. So finding out who that next quarterback is going to be is a pretty big deal. But I think one of the things that some Georgia fans were pretty fascinated by on Saturday, not just the quarterback delivering the football, but in some cases who was on the receiving end of that. And I don't think you can deny right now that there is the potential makings here of a deeper, more impressive crop of wide receivers that maybe that Georgia has had to begin a season at any other point in time under uh, Kirby Smart's leadership, which obviously dates back to 2016. You know, Arian Smith had two touchdowns in this game. That's a guy that I was really pretty impressed with. And Smith is a guy that some Georgia fans sort of also feel like they've kind of got a chance to know. He obviously has impressed with his blazing speed. He was one of the heroes of the Peach Bowl win against Ohio State. So, you know, that's one of those guys I think a lot of Georgia fans are kind of counting on. But we're also learning a little bit more about a couple of guys who were a lot farther off the radar than that. A uh, walk-on like Makai Muse, uh, less than heralded recruit like Dylan Bell. But both Bell and Muse really had some moments for Georgia on Saturday, so much so that it was a portion of Kirby Smart's post-game press conference after G-Day on Saturday to discuss Muse, to discuss Bell. And you know Kirby kind of talked about what he had seen from them and all of this in the context of 
what I thought overall was a pretty good day for the most part for Georgia wide receivers, both guys that we know about and guys that we're maybe learning more about uh, Kirby Smart from Saturday. Muse does that every day. You know, Muse is a, a guy that he, last year he kept getting really close to being able to play and help us. He, uh, he was on the scout team, so I had seen him make plays on the scout team. And we put him in a couple games, you know, as the returner. He very sure-handed, makes good decisions. You saw today he's got some return ability, um, exciting. And you get what you get from Muse every day. Like, the guy is uh, a worker. And I thought he made some plays uh, today with his feet, and he caught a couple of really tough catches. Dylan Bell does that each and every day. I mean, he was a guy that um, made some plays, and he got better this spring. You know, Dylan got thrust into playing due to some injuries uh, with AD and things, and and he, he he took the bull by the horns and and really played well. And then he had a good spring for us. He he was very productive this spring. So a couple of quick things here. I think the Muse thing's a really fun story. Obviously. The athleticism that he showed, there was one kick return type thing that got called back just because they're not doing that for spring games. But what we saw with our own eyes was an incredible level of athleticism. He showed that with a couple of the catches that he had there too. This is a pretty impressive athlete. I think you have to take him seriously here just because of that athleticism. But I also like the Muse story because to me, this is an example of what Georgia does so well. You know, we just spent 10 minutes off the top of the show talking about a five-star quarterback. And so many of what uh, so many of the, the recruits that generate conversation around here are going to be of the five-star variety, the the very high four-star variety, the sort of elite recruits that are kind of in a separate category from most college football players. And yet, while Georgia probably brings in as many of those elite recruits as any program does, they are still just as serious about evaluating any other football player they think can give them a chance to win, including in some cases you know, walk-on type guys who maybe weren't getting enough attention other places, but George just seems to have a scouting department, if you will, that just kind of finds diamonds in the rough uh, at all positions, both sides of the ball, better than almost anyone does. And maybe Makai Muse is maybe the next example of all of that. That's, I just think, uh, a really cool thing about Georgia is if you get a chance to be a part of practice, you're going to be evaluated. And if you're showing yourself to be capable, you're going to get your shot. And we're seeing that happen over and over again. Georgia takes all that stuff very, very seriously. On the Dylan Bell part of this, here's what I love about the Georgia wide receiver room moving ahead for this upcoming season. It just seems like Georgia potentially has a lot of different kind of receivers. Obviously, I think there's been an intentional attempt to upgrade this unit from a speed standpoint. I would say that's worked. Georgia seems faster at receiver than it seemed before. But the same way, you don't want every receiver to be big and strong, but not quite so fast. You also don't want every receiver to be really, really fast, but not quite so durable. And when you think about what Bell did, showing leaping ability, you know, kind of showing that that body type of his that I think makes him, uh, you know, pretty attractive here as a prospect. That as a bigger, stronger wide receiver to be paired with some of the speedier guys that Georgia has, this is not only potentially the best crop of receivers that Georgia has had uh, under Kirby Smart. This may be the most diverse receiving room that Georgia has had under Kirby Smart there as well. And those two ideas might be connected. The success of this receiving room this year, if it does truly come to pass, may be because of all the different kinds of receivers that Georgia has found. I think you give Brian McClendon a lot of credit for that, for both bringing them in and developing them. And I think you also kind of think, and we'll get more on Bobo later on this week, but I think you also have to kind of think ahead to the idea that there's a lot of cohesion between this offense here right now. A lot of cohesion uh, between you know guys that have worked together before, Brian McClendon, the guy who's 
you know, obviously a former Georgia assistant in a previous life, but also a former Georgia player, getting settled in, now be a part of a Mike Bobo offense that if you watched on Saturday, I think has a real chance to take advantage of the skill set that Georgia has in play. So all of that really something to consider will make that around the doghouse here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia today. All right, so before we are done on our program here today, there's a lot I want to get into. There's more uh, transfer news as it relates to Georgia Bulldogs. We will cover that. Uh, another name yesterday going to the transfer portal. Uh, potentially a little bit of an evaluation of Alabama that's not all that dissimilar to some of what you've heard from us here over the course of the last few days there as well. One of the alarms that we've sounded about the Crimson Tide, all of a sudden it seems like some other folks are starting to notice that. We'll tell you what's out there about that there as well. And some hype starting to brew here a little bit too for uh, an opponent that Georgia fans have certainly loved to hate here uh, recently. We'll give you all the information as it relates to that there as well. But for now, the man of the hour seems to be five-star quarterback Dylan Riola. Is this real? Is it fake? Is it something in between? And what else do we take from what we saw from G-Day on Saturday? What do you say we cover all of that right now as we get ready to welcome back Connor Riley here to Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia today. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. So we'll bring Connor Riley into the discussion we were having a couple of moments ago. And Connor, what I said to our audience was, if this Dylan Riola rumor turns out to be true and Riola commits, I don't think it should be surprising to UGA fans that the choice is Georgia. I think that's seemingly where this has been moving here over the course of the last few weeks, perhaps even longer than that. But there's been plenty of evidence you could string together here over the course of the last few weeks. The surprising part of this for me might be that it comes now as opposed to after the official visit that we expect Riley to take to Georgia to begin the month of June. So with that said and kind of reiterated, what do you make of all that's out there right now? How seriously do you take all of this? Yeah, if we're talking rumors, I'm more of a dreams guy. I understand if you really love the chain, you know. Oh, wait, we're, we're not talking about Fleetwood Mac albums. Uh, <laughs> uh, I I think, you know, I get it from Dylan Rayola's sense. Look, there's been a lot of quarterback movement in recent weeks uh, as far as what we've seen on the high school recruiting scene. Uh, this is a guy that committed early on to Ohio State. He's known about the recruiting process for a while. Uh, he's taken multiple visits to USC, to Georgia, to Nebraska. He's seen a lot of these places. And, you know, at a certain point, he probably wants to get this kind of circus over with as well. I mean, and, you know, he's certainly aware of it. You see online the chatter that this rumor has sparked yesterday. And I do think there's some credence to it, and I understand it. Just given the way the reporting has gone on Rayola, it's been a, a very plugged-in uh, recruitment. This has not been a quiet recruitment in the slightest. And so it sounds like there is some smoke cooking, and usually with the way things have gone in this Rayola recruitment, when there is smoke, there is potentially fire. And so I think, you know, it makes sense for Georgia. I think the way it's been trending, I would say, since he finished his sort of March visits where he went Georgia, USC, and Nebraska, um, and it's sort of been moving this way. He he did not take any visits uh, recently. Did not go to Georgia spring game. Uh, is not expected to USC Nebraska spring game, and and so you do sort of see things lining up to be the end of his recruitment. He does have an official an official visit scheduled right now, but there's only one, and it's with Georgia during that first week in June. So uh, there is some writing on the walls here that there are rumors and 
you see things trending in the right direction for Georgia. Yeah, so what I said and have said on our show over the course of the last few weeks is is that to me it seems like Georgia is the eventual pick on the basis of process of elimination. You know, I try to follow the recruiting stuff on the internet pretty closely. There's really very little chatter about Rayola coming out of uh, Nebraska circles right now, even though there's the strong family tie. It sort of seems like they've waved the white flag here. And the most significant thing to seemingly happen in all of this as of late is the idea that Elisha Brown, who's a quarterback, goes to the Mater D program out in California he has been talking openly about how much USC has recently increased its recruitment of him, which would seem to, to me to be a sign that USC knows that it's not likely to win with Dylan Raiola because, you know, comparatively speaking, we haven't seen Georgia do anything with any other quarterbacks right now other than obviously Ryan Buglisi that it has a commitment from. But Jake Merklinger went to Tennessee. Georgia didn't lift a finger. Georgia was never really involved in Aaron Nolan, but he goes to Ohio State. You know, Georgia seemingly content to stand pat with all that there as well. That Georgia has been all in on Ryola, remains so. But for USC, who at one point in time I think was considered by some to be the leader, they're not all in on Ryola at all. You've got Lincoln Riley sort of seemingly subtweeting Ryola with some of his spring comments. You've got them recruiting other quarterbacks now. It sort of seems like somebody in L.A. knows something, and from a Trojan perspective, it does not appear to be good. Yeah, and, and look, Georgia's made it clear what their priorities are with this quarterback position in the 2024 recruiting class for a while. They wanted to take two guys. They've been recruiting Dylan Rayola very hard. Even dating back to when they were recruiting Arch Manning, uh, they very much were enticed by the idea of what Dylan Rayola could bring to this 2024 recruiting class. They go out and get Ryan Puglisi, and I think the addition of Puglisi is a big one I want to keep in mind because he knows and is well aware of all of this chatter around Rayola as well. And, and so, you know, Georgia's made it clear they want two quarterbacks in this class. It's a yes, it's a difficult deal to thread especially keeping them happy on campus. But, I mean, that's every quarterback uh, in college football these days. It's hard to do. There's a reason why Carson Beck is the only quarterback in the 2020 signing class that is still with his original program that has not started a game yet. Uh, you know, there, there's a reason he's a bit of an anomaly there. You know, how many five-star quarterbacks would have waited into their third year to possibly get a chance to start like Brock Vanderbilt? I don't think that number is very high. And so... Jordan knows and has known and has known its plan at the quarterback position for this 2024 recruiting class in a while. It's felt very comfortable in these deep waters, and that's why you know they feel very comfortable going to the mat for Dylan Rayola. They did so with Arch Manning last year. It did not work out, and Georgia was able to pivot and find a quarterback roster-building solution that it feels comfortable with. And as we sit here on April what 18th, is it? they feel very comfortable and rightfully so about where things stand with their quarterback recruiting right now. And it speaks to, you know, obviously, yes, the job that Mike Boba has come in and done in replacing Todd Munkin on that staff, but furthermore, just the vision that Kirby Smart had for this quarterback position, for this quarterback room, something that he is often very much so, even by both you and I, have been criticized for. And if he's able to land Dylan Rayola along with keeping Ryan Puglisi in the class, uh, that's a lot to like about what you bring in in one quarterback recruiting class. All right, let me do one more thing on this, and we'll talk about uh, G-Day here for a moment. I, I, I think a lot of Georgia fans, myself included, kind of like the idea of, well, if all of this is real, and if it does happen sooner rather than later, then then that means the timing of this doesn't feel like all that much of a coincidence. It's either a rebuke against USC, which might be trying to swoop in here and steal a player off Georgia's roster, possibly money-whipping them for Bear Alexander, 
or maybe a response to Landon Thomas' decommitment yesterday. Are you sure you want to go to Florida State? Uh, because look what we have in place as a quarterback with your future. And tonight, Carr, who's Landon Thomas' high school teammate, uh, listen, I know Landon may have made this decision, but this is who you're going to get a chance to catch passes from if you come to Georgia. It's always a little tricky when you start speculating about something that's only a rumor, but that, that speculation I think is fun for some Georgia fans that you know this is the kind of thing that could cause a guy like Landon Thomas to reconsider the decision he made yesterday flipping to Florida State, and it could be a signal, you know, much like the great Jack Black cameo in Anchorman of, oh, you think you're going to take a a transfer off our roster now this is going to happen and we're going to respond to that by taking the quarterback that everybody thinks that uh you wanted in dylan riola i don't know if any of that's true but it's certainly fun to consider so so is bear alexander the burrito that that black <laughs> on his motorcycle is that is that the analogy we're making <laughs> um i i think you know look you know kirby's done this before not obviously with the magnitude of a five-star quarterback like dylan riola but, you know, bad news, especially from a PR standpoint on Georgia and a recruiting and a player acquisition standpoint, it usually doesn't linger for a long time. And, and sure, I mean, even I'm inclined to admit that, yeah, you know, you lose Bear Alexander to the transfer portal, most likely USC. You lose Landon Thomas to Florida State. I, I don't think he is going to flip back to Georgia. I think he seems pretty solid in his decision to go to Florida State. You know, usually that doesn't linger for a long time, and if Rayola does end up committing sooner rather than later, uh, yeah, I think that's going to blow off both of those things from you know the, the front page news that they have been in recent days here. And, and so, you know, is Kirby still that worried about being a puppet master at this stage of his career when it comes to you know winning and things like that, where he's won two straight national championships? I don't think so, but again, you know, as I think you're right to point out, the timing of all this is a little interesting. You know, I think maybe more the events of how the rest of the quarterback recruiting cycle has, has sort of wound down here, and it seems like more and more spots are getting filled. I think that's playing a role in this, uh, but, you know, you certainly can read the theories and see the way the wind is blowing and understand that uh, Kirby Smart might be getting ready to take, uh, you know, a precious quarterback from Lincoln Riley and punch him off the bridge in uh, sunny San Diego. <laughs> You love the thought of that. Uh, shifting gears to G Day, you know, I guess the, we'll get to you know a few things here, but to start off with, I thought the day belonged to Carson Beck. Maybe the first half was better than the second, but I think in the first half, I was pretty ready early in the game to say, okay, well, you know, Carson Beck's going to be Georgia's starting quarterback. No disrespect to Brock Vandergriff, no disrespect to Gunnar Stockton, but Carson demonstrated what a fourth year player I think is supposed to demonstrate. Was it that cut and dry for you looking in on this, Connor? Yeah, I think, you know, there was pressure on Carson Beck to go out there and perform. And while, you know, yes, I'd heard Brock Vandergriff had a very good spring, and I'd written as much and said that, you know, comparatively, I thought Vandergriff was a little bit better this spring than, than Beck had. But Beck was still the leader. He was still the guy that I thought was going to be the starter going into G-Day. And then you see why that's the case on Saturday. He goes out there, performs, plays really well, you know, maybe had the best practice he had of the 15 for G-Day. And that's something you want to see from a quarterback in that situation. Now, he's going to have to continue to do the right things to outright win this job in the offseason, something we didn't necessarily see him do, especially going back to 2021 with that backup job. And, look, Carson Beck has played well in spring games before. He did so in 2022. He did so in 2021. But there's obviously a lot more pressure on him this time around to win the starting job and hold off Vanderbilt and Stockton than there is in winning the backup job. And so – 
But yes, I thought he was exceptional on Saturday. He answered any and every question that I think anyone would have had. He's still got to go out there and continue to win this job in the offseason. I expect him to do that. Uh, this is what you would want to see from a fourth-year player. But as far as what we saw on Saturday, I think he answered just about any question anyone would have. And I thought it was good enough that, to me, it kind of puts a bigger spotlight, if you will, on the summertime of the year. Now, spotlight's kind of a funny word to use because we're not going to be seeing any of this. It's all kind of private behind closed doors. But, you know, Kirby talked about this on Saturday about what a quarterback does now to kind of rally the team and, you know, allow the team to build its belief in that player. I thought that Beck was good enough on Saturday that I do think it's time for him to do that. And I think that from a Georgia coaching standpoint, it's probably time to start talking about what you do to develop around Beck, the offense to take advantage of his skill set, you know, Beck himself in this role that I think you can kind of move on to next steps here. Even if Kirby Smart's not going to articulate that the way that Steve Sarkeesian did with his own quarterback situation to Texas earlier this week, for all intents and purposes, I believe it's still probably just as true. So, to me, this is about now moving forward, Beck building belief from his teammates in him, and Georgia building an offensive system around Carson Beck. And I think it's probably time to do that based on what we saw on Saturday. Do you agree, Connor? I, I wonder how much of this and these conversations are had starting May 1st rather than starting right now, given that is when the transfer portal window closes. And while I don't expect Brock Vandergriff to transfer, I thought he had a good spring. I thought he made some strides with where we have seen him in the past. And, well, yes, I expect Carson Beck to be the guy, and I expect him to be the starter. I think Brock Vandergriff is also lined up to play this year, given one, you expect Georgia to win some blowouts. But, and we've said this before, and I'm not saying Carson Beck is going to get hurt, but we've seen quarterbacks pick up injuries and struggle to get through an SEC slate fully healthy. That's going to give whoever that backup quarterback is a chance to get some reps, a chance to earn some playing time, to show and put some tape out there and develop and get some depth there. There's value, I think, in being at a juggernaut program like Georgia and getting reps in, in games where you know Georgia is going to blow opposing teams out. And you know, Obviously, you don't expect it to be in the national championship game like we saw last year, but there are points throughout the season where Carson Beck, you, know, you think back to the Vanderbilt game specifically, really benefited from getting some extra reps there and some extra repetitions. And I think that set George up well going into this season. I, I think, yes, they're going to believe and instill things in Carson Beck, but I think they also owe it to Brock Vandergriff and Gunnar Stockton as well to continue to get them ready and continue to prepare and develop them. And so I don't expect Kirby Smart to necessarily put all his eggs in one basket at this point because as much as Carson Beck has shown, he hasn't shown that he can do it, you know, on the road in Neyland, in Jacksonville in late October, uh, on the road at Auburn. There are still some things that he's got to prove that, quite frankly, he just can't in the offseason, and it's understandable there. But I do think that George is going to do and give every opportunity for not just Carson Beck, but Brock Vandergriff and Gunnar Stockton to grow, get better, and make an impact on this team in one way or another. I want to ask you about Barry Alexander before we're done, more specifically on that situation. But I guess prior to that, what else from G-Day stood out to you? Um, we didn't learn much about running back. I like what I saw from wide receiver. A lot of really good young defensive players in this program's future, which I guess is not you know a huge surprise necessarily. Uh, what was the other kind of non-quarterback takeaway that you're left with from this past Saturday? Whoever is that quarterback, I think it's really set up a success with this offense, with the wide receivers, tight ends, and offensive line that Georgia has. Uh, I think when you look at what they have there at those three positions, 
It's probably more than Stetson Bennett ever got to work with. It's probably more than than Jake Fromm, I think, ever got to work with. There is a ton of talent surrounding uh, whoever that quarterback is going to be. And while, yes, there are legitimate questions about the running back position and what's back there, uh, just given the amount of injuries we saw at that position this spring, uh, if Georgia wants to lean into throwing the football a little bit more this year, like I think they're going to, they've got plenty of talent and weapons around whoever that quarterback is going to be, most likely Carson Beck, uh, to really set him up for success. I thought Arian Smith had a big day. Dylan Bell opened some eyes with some playmaking he made downfield. Uh, you know, Brock Bowers is Brock Bowers. There's not much more we need to say there. Uh, you know, I've been saying for a while, I think there's real talent in this wide receiver room. Uh, we haven't always gotten a chance to see it through the injuries. But I, you feel really good about what you have across the board. I think that wide receiver, tight end, and offensive line, making things very, very easy for whoever is going to step in at that quarterback position coming out of Judah. All right, Connor, I'm going to push pause on our conversation because we got some business we got to take care of here on this end. Uh, we'll pick back up with you and talk more about everything that happened with spring later on. But for now, uh, we're going to let you go. Thanks for being a part of our program today, and we'll look forward to having you back here again on our show very soon. Yep, as always, it was a pleasure. All right, we're going to let Connor go a little earlier than I planned to. Jake Fromm, who is not going to be able to join us today, is ready to join us right now. So, uh, Michael, if we can, let's go ahead and get Jake Fromm on the phone because I do, in the midst of this quarterback conversation, want to get some thoughts from Jake on quarterback. So we'll get ready to do that. Graphics-wise, we may not be completely set up on all of this, but it'll still be a, a good, fun conversation to be able to have. Jake in the midst of uh, doing some quarterback work of his own right now, so he's good enough to uh, squeeze in some time for us while he's in the midst of uh, doing all of that. I told you initially off the top that he might not be able to join us today, but uh, we're glad to be able to uh, – to, to be able to have a chance to do that, obviously Jake was watching what happened on Saturday at the quarterback spot very closely. And his opinion on that kind of stuff, always uh, really valuable. You heard Connor Riley say some interesting things on that topic, too, about what looked to be a pretty good day for uh, Carson Beck. Not a bad day for the other quarterbacks necessarily, but in terms of the mystery and intrigue we have about who that starting quarterback is uh, going to be. Obviously, Carson Beck took a big step towards all that on Saturday. Uh, with that in mind, let's bring in a guy who knows this situation very well, uh, the former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm, uh, also uh, now working on his own uh, pro career there too and busy doing that this week, but he's going to spend some time with us here as a part of a Kroger Fresh Take right now. Jake, thanks for making time for us today. We hope you're doing well. Hey, Brandon, what's going on? Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Uh, glad to have you there as well. I guess without further ado, what would you think about quarterback on Saturday for the Georgia Bulldogs there at G-Day? Hey, man, I, I thought the guys played well. Uh, it was actually super fun to watch, man, uh, moving the ball up and down the field, throwing the ball around. Uh, glad that uh, Bobo let him sling it, get to see what these guys are all about, all the things we've been hearing uh, from spring practice. And uh, I mean, let me tell you, man, Carson played extremely well. Man, he looked like a vet out there slinging the ball around, making completions. I mean, I don't think he had a completion until his maybe seventh, eighth, ninth throw uh, of the day. And even then, arguably, the ball should have been caught. So, uh, man, he, he looked calm. He looked poised. Uh, and, you know, was taking shots down the field and hitting them when he needed to, uh, but also checking the ball down uh, as well when the when the play said that's the play to make. So, uh, also love Gunner's play too, man. Uh, his first series didn't necessarily go quite the way he wanted. Quick three and out. Um, and then after that, man, he came fighting back, uh, moved the ball around, had a two-minute drive and everything. So Gunner played well uh, as well. Kirby actually mentioned you in his post-game press conference on Saturday about the way in which, you know, after the spring you got to get 
ready to kind of take the bull by the horns with this team and sort of you know become the kind of leader that causes the team to want to rally around you. So let's just say the sake of conversation, Kirby obviously didn't say this, but let's just speculate for a moment. Let's say that Carson played well enough on Saturday to go along with the rest of his spring performance that he might be this team's starting quarterback here this year. What do the next two months look like for him or whoever it is that starts a quarterback for Georgia? But how do you lead in the summer the way that you once did as a Georgia starter and the way that someone like Carson Beck might be asked to do now? Yeah, this is a, a big jump going from the spring game where you, you gain a lot of confidence in that game, you move the ball around, you have some success, uh, and it's good to be able to do it on the field in front of a crowd, uh, in front of that in that kind of environment. Um, you know, but now he man, he's got to go behind closed doors, uh, really get guys on the same page. Hey, you know, let, let's go off, let's get a break. We deserved it, we earn it. Uh, but now, man, when we really come back for this summer, man, we got to be locked in, laser focused. Uh, we're going to lead by example. We're also going to pick up our voice a little bit during these summer workouts, uh, really starting to push guys, get guys in shape, uh, and get guys learning this offense uh, and every little detail about it that we need in order to have success in the fall. And obviously, Carson's a fourth year guy. You got, you know, the other two guys you talked about, you know, Gunner a moment ago, Brock, you know, Vandergriff there as well. They're a little bit younger. You know, what does it mean for them if the pecking order maybe looks the way that it did on Saturday, where maybe Carson's likely to start? You know, you know, what, what do guys like Brock and Gunner then do if that is the way that it's going to work out? Yeah, I think in the summertime and on through camp, I really don't think anything changes from an approach standpoint for those two guys. Uh, for them, man, hey, I, I'm still fighting and clawing. I'm still competing. Uh, I mean, wh- why would I Why would I just, just let someone have the starting quarterback position for the University of Georgia? Man, I, I want that. I'm going to compete. Uh, I'm going to fight and do everything I can during these summer workouts, during camp, uh, to still fight for this thing because I, I still want it. Um, and so uh, from, then, from them and their perspective, man, I, I'm, I'm going to do all I can from a leadership standpoint, knowing this offense, um, and, and doing everything possible during these seven on sevens during the summer, uh, being in a position to, to have a good fall. I know good fall your camp. I know your time is limited today, but I want to get this topic in with you there as well, which is. I thought one of the other big takeaways from G-Day on Saturday, not just quarterbacks, but who it was the quarterbacks were throwing to, and you know, Jake. To me, it seems like right now Georgia sets up to be. Maybe as strong at wide receiver as it has been at any point in time under Kirby Smart. You got, you know, some guys who are fast. You got a, you know, a collection of guys like Dylan Bell who kind of have a little bit of, you know, strength to them. It seems to be not just a deep wide receiver room, but potentially pretty diverse with the different kinds of players who are there. What did you see from 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 Georgia when it comes to wide receiver on Saturday? Look, I, I agree hundred percent. You know, it, it sucks to have AD Mitchell gone and at Texas, uh, but the guys they brought in from the transfer portal. Um, from high school, you know, new enrollees and, and all these different guys, man, it, that's a that's a good room. Uh, we got guys who can stretch the field vertically, and we got guys who we can get in their hand early uh, and quickly, and who, who can make some plays with their feet, um, yards after catch, breaking tackles, and we got to see a little bit, see a little bit of that uh, as well on uh, this past Saturday. So we saw a little bit maybe from scheme wise from Bobo getting the ball and uh, getting the ball in playmakers' hands early and. Uh, I, I'm excited about it. It's going to be fun to see. Yeah, I, I guess would you mind telling us a little bit about that there as well? Because I think a lot of Georgia fans were trying to figure out, okay, what can you learn about this new offensive quarter? Not so new because he's been around Georgia obviously a long time. But in comparison to the Todd Munkin system that's worked so well the last couple of years, what in particular did you see from Mike Bobo on Saturday? I, honestly, I, I saw a lot of the same stuff uh, that we saw with Munkin. Obviously, you're going to get a super dumbed-down version of everything in the spring game. Um, but it was still fun to see him let, letting it rip a little bit, too, um, and, and getting a little creative, 
uh, in the spring game. Very tough to tell one way or another scheme-wise. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll see a lot kind of during this uh, fall camp scrimmages of who they want to be and what that identity is. Uh, we can really get pads on uh, and start getting physical. Brock Vandergriff said something really interesting the other day that Mike Bobo kind of told all those quarterbacks at the beginning of this year, hey, I'm going to coach you hard. And basically Brock kind of joked and said our only choice was to say, okay, yes, sir, and sort of move on. As a quarterback yourself, like how much do you like that kind of intense coaching where a guy's going to really kind of get in there hands-on with you, whether it be at the NFL level now, college level, even high school level, how much did you like that good, intense, hard coaching as a quarterback? Is that something that you kind of craved as a player? Yeah, I, I think, man, if, if, if I, I, I want to speak for everybody, but most of the greats, and if you want to be great, uh, you're going to want to be coached. Uh, and I, I never wanted to get in a position in my playing career where uh, I, I felt like I, I couldn't be coached or someone couldn't say something to me. Uh, have, be able to have the humility in myself to say, hey, uh, I, I need to get coached. I need to be coached harder than anyone on the field because our position is the hardest on the field. So I want to be coached more than anybody. Um, and uh, I think Coach Bobo uh, does a great job of, of coming with a lot of intensity with that. Uh, we know you got to go, so I'll ask you one more. We'll let you go after this. Georgia fans also learned something kind of weird on Saturday that a guy like Bear Alexander had had a pretty promising freshman season. Uh, looks like he's going to leave the program via the transfer portal. As a guy who kind of played in the era prior to the one we're in now, how tough is it to make sense of this kind of new age that we live in? And how much of a challenge do you think it is for a Georgia you know, collection of teammates to know that a guy that they had been kind of competing and playing alongside with, boom, just like that, he's gone. How tough is that to make sense of right now? Yeah, uh, you know, I think every situation is, a, is uniquely different in uh, the reasons why guys leave and their motivations and um, you know, there, there's a lot that goes with that. Uh, but, you know, from a teammate perspective, um, hey, man, I, I'm excited to see who, who my new teammate's going to be uh, and be able to build a relationship with them and, and for them to come on and, and help our football team. So um, that, that's the way I look at it. Jake, great stuff. I know you're busy. Thanks for spending some time with us here today, squeezing us in in the, in the midst of everything else you got going on. Uh, we'll look forward to obviously getting a chance to talk to you uh, soon. And uh, just good luck with everything you got going on, all right? Yeah, Brandon, thank you. Look forward to it. All right, good stuff there with uh, Jake from. Uh, really appreciate that. Um, and also remind you that this is our Kroger Fresh Take with Jake from here on the program here today. Of course, we get a chance to do that each and every week. I will tell you that Jake right now, obviously on the Washington Commanders uh, organization, uh, he's up there working, getting ready for everything that's going to be going on there this spring and this summer. So that's kind of what he has going on right now. And so nice in the middle of all that to uh, give us a call and be a part of that. And uh, great to be able to tell you that our uh, Kroger Fresh Take, of course, brought to you by our friends at Kroger. And don't forget, coming up at Kroger here very soon, you've got Administrative Professionals Day. That's coming up on April 26th. Now, for those of you, you got your business, you got your you know job, whatever else so many of those great administrative professionals help make what we do possible and kind of keep everything humming the way that it's supposed to so coming up on april 26 i know you're going to want to show support to those who've supported you administrative professionals day and kroger's got you covered for everything you need greeting cards gift cards so much more you can get all of that just stop by and do your shopping right there in store or go to kroger.com for a lot more on that but great to hear jake's thought on what he uh, heard from Carson Beck, what Carson Beck does now, and also some very interesting things to say about Gunnar Stockton as well. Hope you caught that with Jake Fromm there just a moment ago. Okay, so it uh, looks like we have a little bit of an uh, issue. Uh, uh, so 
from that standpoint, we're going to get ready to uh, shift gears here, and we'll do our uh, SEC through now after that. So uh, no music today on our SEC through, but nonetheless, we'll be ready to cruise around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean today. And obviously, a lot of planning going on behind the scenes with all of us both at home kind of getting packed up now. And boy, you know, that cruise experience, you always are, uh, you, you sort of know it's getting real, and you sort of know you're there on that. When uh, you start getting packed up and kind of putting those finishing touches together, I had to go buy a new pair of flip-flops yesterday, so that's obviously really exciting. Uh, that lets you know you're getting ready for that cruise vacation. For us, it does take place next week, and obviously when you hear us talking about that, getting excited about that, it can be a cue to you that it's time to plan your own Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. Uh, certainly, it's time to start thinking about that. You've got uh, vacation coming up in June, July, into August, or you start thinking about you know late 2023 holiday-themed cruises, things like that. It's time to do all of that. Our friend Jessica Slater, great travel agent, uh, who's specially selected for us by Royal Caribbean. She can help you with all that. You can give her a call, 770-718-9147, 770-718-9147. Nobody knows the Royal Caribbean product and the array of services they offer like our friend Jessica Slater, she's going to be with us next week on our Dog Nation cruise, and uh, she can be with you alongside your own journey as you get ready to plan your own Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. Don't forget, if you can't make your cruise experience happen here in 2023, it's also not too early to start thinking about January of 2024 as well in the debut of Icon of the Seas. A Royal Caribbean cruise vacation experience unlike anything you've ever had before. Largest cruise ship in the world when it debuts. It combines all the great things you love in a vacation all in one spot. Largest water park at sea. It's like a floating resort. I mean, it's it's just going to be an unbelievable experience. No cruise ship ever like it before, even in the Royal Caribbean fleet. Uh, this is really redefining what it means when it comes to a cruise vacation experience. Can't wait for so many of you to enjoy all of that. January of 2024, the debut of Icon of the Seas. All right. So as we're cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean right now, sans music, I want to talk to you about a couple of things. First of all, Georgia-related here, but this venture could have some impact, uh, I guess, on the SEC there as well. Transfer portal window is open. We've been talking about that. Obviously, Bear Alexander, the high-profile name that goes in there. We also found out yesterday another Georgia player enters the transfer portal, too. This is linebacker Ryan Davis. And you know Davis is one of those guys that I've always felt had a lot of promise. In fact, he's on the field, you know, some for Georgia a year ago and what turned out to be a national championship season. You can't say that Davis isn't a promising prospect. He has dealt with a lot of injuries. Unfortunately, this even goes back to his high school career there as well. He was injured at the end of his high school career, been injured a good bit at Georgia. Some of those have even been, you know, pretty serious, serious enough to take him off the football field for a sustained period of time. And as he's dealing with that, Georgia's also got a responsibility to put the best linebackers he can into the program. And you think about a recruiting cycle like this past year where you bring in Raylan Wilson and C.J. Allen, both of which looked very good on G-Day. Troy Bowles coming in here eventually to go along with established starters like Jamon Dumas-Johnson and Smile Mondin, who in Mondin's case we didn't see G-Day on Saturday, but we know he's one of the very best players in the entire country. And eventually when you see all that depth of the linebacker spot, if you're a guy like Davis who hasn't quite gotten your chance to shine because of the fact that, that you know health has been just sort of hard to come by, eventually you realize okay, well, I guess my spot is sort of better attained somewhere else. It's the same decision that Tresman Marshall made not too long ago, and Marshall's in line for some real serious playing time in a place like Alabama. That gives you an idea of how deep Georgia is at linebacker right now that even a place like Alabama looks like grass being greener 
for Travis Marshall getting there's some music kicks in there uh gives you a chance to go and play and be a part of that and Ryan Davis may have to make a similar decision right now where I want to play I want to show people what I'm all about it's going to be hard to do that at Georgia I've been here now for a while and maybe now it's just sort of time to go try it somewhere else I will tell you that you know different people have different opinions about the transfer portal when it's good is it always good is it never good I would say situations like this are kind of what the transfer portal is for I'm not happy about losing Ryan Davis necessarily, but I do get it where he's coming from from his standpoint because you get one shot at a college career. You get one chance to go out there and be the best version of yourself. And obviously, you know, you want to be on the field somewhere doing that. So for a guy like Ryan Davis who says, maybe it's time for me now to go try my hand somewhere else, I think this is a guy you shake his hand, you say, thanks for being here. Sorry it didn't quite work out the way either side probably hoped it would or maybe even believed that it would, but you wish him well as he goes on to the next phase of his life. You know, you have different feelings maybe about different transfer situations. This is one of those where I think even Georgia fans were a little skeptical about the portal in general, would kind of understand where a guy is coming from when it comes to something like this. It's also an issue right now where Georgia is trying to make sure it's kind of at that 85 scholarship threshold. You've got a handful of summer enrollees still yet to come most of georgia's class already early enrollees they've been here small handful still yet to come and so georgia needs to make sure they've got enough room for them which means that georgia actually needs a couple of transfers uh this time of year to be able to do that so ryan davis sort of becomes one of those guys i think you wish him well as he does that obviously we'll be looking at the rest of the sec now for more of those transfer portal names you got between now and april 30th to get in there we'll obviously be following all of that so one of the things we've talked about a good bit here lately is the Alabama quarterback situation. And what we think has been a pretty quiet spring as it relates to Ty Simpson, who, you know, is a guy that a lot of Alabama fans, I think, to begin the year thought would be the Alabama quarterback. Tide fans saw Jalen Milrow playing in place of an injured Bryce Young some last year. Milrow was unspectacular to say the least. And a lot of Tide fans think, well, if he's not great, then Ty Simpson must be the answer because they believe it's just sort of their birthright to have a great quarterback. But it is possible that neither Milrow nor Simpson is great. And it is also possible that Ty Simpson just, what is it they say these days, like uh, the kids like to say that he's him, that, that Ty Simpson just isn't him, <laughs> that, that, that he is not him when it comes to that overall situation. And we've been saying this now for a little while that can't help but notice how quiet it has been on the uh, Ty Simpson front. Well, now it seems like even guys like Paul Feinbaum are sort of noticing this too. Feinbaum speaking here this week. I'm going to uh, read you a little bit of what Feinbaum's saying about Alabama here right now. He says on the low end this season, I think they can still be a top five or a top six team, which from an Alabama standpoint and their fan standpoint would certainly put them on the low end of their own expectations. He says, and that really kind of depends on how you populate Ohio State and USC, maybe Michigan, maybe Clemson, maybe throw somebody else in there, whether it's Penn State or somebody else. He says, a week can change a lot. I don't think it's going to change the internals. It may change the external. He's talking about the quarterback situation here now. Uh, we may get out there on Saturday and Milrow or Simpsons look great in a very limited control situation, and you're uh, getting blown up at 7.30 the next Monday morning about fans saying, you know, we've got a great quarterback. He says, however, I don't think that's going to happen and based on the buzz that's existed here thus far this spring I think that's the only conclusion that you can draw that yeah maybe somebody has an okay spring performance but the idea of some huge level of buzz existing around either Jalen Milrow or Ty Simpson for Alabama uh, at the end of this spring practice I just don't think it was going to happen if it was going to happen it probably already would have happened and in this particular case the silence may just be deafening now 
can Alabama still be a formidable challenger and a very good team, even if it's only, you know, okay or just good at the quarterback spot, maybe not great? It's certainly a possibility, but it's hard to deny just how much great quarterback play, great passing game, quarterback plus wide receiver, just how much of an overall part of the story that's been for Alabama in recent years. But Bryce Young, who may be the number one overall pick in this year's draft, for now doesn't seem like he's walking through that door. And the quarterback prior to that, Mac Jones, who even in a pandemic year, still became a first-round pick, doesn't seem like that level of players walking through this door. Or Tua Tungo Vailoa, or suddenly Jalen Hurts, the very rich man that he is, former Oklahoma quarterback who was once at Alabama, doesn't seem like he's walking through that door right now either. It is very interesting how quiet the Alabama quarterback situation is. And if you've got enough bandwidth to find some streaming internet on Saturday to watch this Alabama spring game streaming on the internet, deep, dark corner somewhere on the internet, then uh, you may see for yourself the Alabama quarterback situation, what happens to be going on there with that right now. Very little buzz coming out. Now, Malik Benson, the junior college wide receiver, we're told that he's the next Jerry Rice, the next Randy Moss, the next T.O., or the next whatever. We're told that he's the greatest thing that's ever happened. Well, he has to have somebody to deliver him the football. And right now there is very little buzz as it relates to either Milrow or Bryce Young. You can't help but notice that. By the way, I was also seeing they were already seeing a little bit of hype starting to generate for a guy like Joe Milton as the Tennessee quarterback. Now, what's funny to me about this is, is it's not obvious that Milton is even going to be able to keep the job all year long. I and mean, he was the guy that had the chance to win this thing two years ago, and he wasn't able to do that then. Eventually, Hendon Hooker emerged. That was obviously the right decision. Hooker's had a very good career uh, at Tennessee. And look, we do believe that Josh Heupel is a good offensive coach, and getting competent quarterback play is something you should probably expect Tennessee to have under Heupel each and every year. We think that uh, Heupel's proven enough to uh, assume that. But we also are, generally speaking, a little bit skeptical of Hill, uh, of Milton. And he sort of feels like, to me, what the next year's NFL draft conversation is going to be about guys like you know, Anthony Richardson or uh, uh, Will Levis from, from, from Kentucky. Like, Levis got this huge arm, and yet maybe not a whole lot else to go along with that. If that's true for Will Levis, how much is that also true for a guy like Milton? In fact, by the end of the year, it could be that Nico Imaleva has actually emerged the Tennessee starting quarterback. But when you get to draft time a year from now, you better believe the same way that at least for a brief period of time, it seems like a lot of this is kind of quieted down now, but for a very, a very brief period of time, NFL draft scouts were just so enamored by Will Levis and this big cannon of an arm. Well, if you think Levis got a cannon of an arm, wait till you see Joe Milton throw it. He really does have uh, quite the cannon, but I'm not quite so sure he has anything else to go along with that. The same way I'm not quite so sure Will Levis has enough to go along with the very strong throwing arm he has. But you're already seeing some early buzz for Joe Milton in next year's NFL draft, and we'll see if he can use that buzz as a springboard to actually finish a year as Tennessee's starting quarterback, something he failed to do the first time around on all of this. And we'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Now the music's playing again. All right, so we'll get ready to wrap up today's show and we'll do so in style with a uh, golden shoe. And we can go ahead and throw that on the screen, and we'll give credit here. Earl Wise sharing this. I uh, had a chance to catch up with Earl on Saturday there prior to our Dog Nation Boast Games for the UJ Bookstore. Earl writing that it only took 1,926 episodes of Dog Nation Daily for me to finally meet the host of the show. Brandon Adams, or better known as B.A., says check out the daily podcast for the latest news and insights for our dogs as they try to go for three in 23. Earl, I could not have said it better myself. Thank you so much for sharing the good word there on all of that. So great to catch up with you there on Saturday. Boy, that was a lot of fun. So many Georgia fans there stopping by to see us at the UGA Bookstore on Saturday. What a great treat that was, and 
What a fun day G-Day was in general. So I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. And to all of you who are part of so many of these 1,900-plus shows that we've done, man, it is such a great thing. We are so grateful for all of that. Y'all have a great day. Oh, by the way, let's also give you a shout-out here uh, to our Gatorator Countdown. 193 days from now, uh, Georgia back in Jacksonville beating up on Florida. Again, that's always a fun thing to think about, beating up on those lousy, stinking Gators. And with that said, we'll wrap up today's show, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, and see you again tomorrow.